Philippians chapter 1. Would you turn there if you would please? Who wrote the book of Philippians? The Apostle Paul did, and he was in a hired house, we believe, in Rome. Uh, stayed there for two years, had a Roman guard come in with regular uh, every day. Probably a shift would go around. That's where he wrote about, put on the whole armor of God, the shield of faith, and the um, loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and helmet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and feet shod, and helmet of salvation. I'm sure he got to see that, out, that outfit every single day, so he got to do that. But the Apostle Paul wrote this book, four chapters, and the theme of Philippians is joy. Joy. You'll see joy and rejoicing about 19 times in this short little four-chapter book. In chapter 1, it's the joy that we get in going through difficult times, suffering, challenging, adversarial times. The Christian life is not for wimps. It's difficult. It's a challenge. It's, a, it's not a romper room. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. And there is blessings, uh, and there is joy even in trials. Number two, there is joy in service. When we serve the Lord, when we take upon us the form of a servant, the same as our Lord Jesus, there is joy in service. And that's a blessing. And then we find there is joy, uh, there's joy in, in, in service, there's also joy in the Savior. Chapter 3 speaks a lot about Jesus, he said that I might know him and the power and getting to know the Lord. And then there's joy in learning to share, letting ourselves be a funnel and not a bucket, letting God give through us what he would not give to us. Uh, it was Jesus that said in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul quotes him, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And there's joy when people learn to give. One of the reasons I love about First Baptist Church of Hammond, I think there's joy here. And you can find joy in the heart of a giving person. When people stop giving of their time, their effort, their energy, their finances, you'll find joy will dry up. When people stop soul winning, quit giving the gospel out. There is joy that comes in giving the gospel out. Psalm 126 he that goeth forth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. You stop giving the gospel out, you can start drying up your joy. Um, the Bible tells us that I have no greater joy, John said, John the Beloved, who did not have any biological children of his own, to our knowledge. Don't think he ever married. He took care of Mary till she passed away. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. He had written... Several letters, the book of John, he wrote uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of the Revelation. But he says in the 3 John, verse number 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What children are you talking about? Talking about his own biological children? No. He's talking about people that he had influence for the gospel. And uh, you stop investing in somebody else. And every one of us ought to take someone else and make them our spiritual responsibility. Let's say, you know, I'm going to work with someone. I'm going to, I want to see God do a work. I'm going to pray. I think about the Apostle Paul. He said, look, uh, I'm going to keep on working until Christ be formed in you. Mamas, boy, pray that God would work in your kids till Christ be formed in them. Make your children a spiritual dad the same way. Find someone in your, in your sphere of influence that you can influence for the Lord Jesus Christ and pray and earnestly 
Contend for their spiritual strength. If you can disciple them, disciple. If you can encourage them, encourage them. Do what you can do. There's plenty of people, and I, I find people get cantankerous when they're not giving out the gospel, they're not discipling people. Because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength, and we need it desperately. And uh, people that are whiny babies and always having interpersonal conflicts are usually not soul winners. People that have everything wrong with the church, I don't like this, and I don't like this, and I'm going to go somewhere else. And I, I, that's fine, we'll help you go somewhere else if you want to go. Sometimes you leave a church because of health problems. We're sick of you and you're sick of us, okay? So that happens sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, we've got to, we've got to decide, you know what? One thing, soul winners don't get easily uh, frustrated because they have joy. The joy of the Lord brings us strength. Discipling people, when you, when you start ready to say, well, I'm just tired of that, I hurt my feelings. When you have a four or five people dependent upon you for their spiritual growth, and you're burdened for them, you don't want to leave real quickly. When you're giving to world evangelism, I remember years ago talking to a pastor, and it was a great missions church, and one of the members got upset about something. He said, well, he goes, well, we're going to leave the church. He goes, okay, now, uh, I look, and I don't, I don't look this, but he looked this, and I see you support this much money. That means about five missionaries. Uh, who's going to keep supporting those missionaries? He said, hang on a second. Now, maybe I don't need to leave. <laughs> And because he supported missionaries, he got over his problem and stayed in the church. You know why? He had some spiritual, he, he had some, he vetted himself. He had some investment there. The Apostle Paul loved this church and they were a giving church and they found joy in difficult times. They found joy in service, joy in the Savior, and they found joy in sharing of what God gave them. And remember that little church was started by a, by Apostle Paul going and winning Lydia, uh, this little businesswoman, and her girlfriends to Christ, and his husband to, and her husband to Christ, and their kids to Christ, and then the Philippian jailer, and then the damsel that was relieved of the demon. But this church wasn't the largest church the Apostle Paul started. It wasn't the place where he stayed the longest. He didn't stay too long there. But it was a church that caught on to joy. And they found joy because they got excited about Jesus and they got excited about sharing. They got excited about service. And that's how you'll stay with joy. And that's how you'll continue for the long haul. All of us, all the way. Everybody doing what God wants them to do for the rest of your life. Uh, one of the things I love about the testimonies that Brother Jesse read for us tonight is several of the people said, I don't want to ever stop serving the Lord. Well, that should be all of our goals doing the right thing the right way for the right reason for a whole lifetime. And that should be our goal. And, and the Apostle Paul is sitting in this hired house, arrested. He would stay there for two years, possibly get a little release, and then get rearrested. And he would get put in a Mamertine prison there where he would eventually give his life uh, for the gospel's sake at about the age of 61, 62 years old. Here, here, he, uh, he uh, tells them, I'm ready to go to heaven. Have you ever had those days right there? He, just, he, said, he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He said, I really, I, I know if I'm going to be sucking air, I'm, my heart's going to keep beating, it's going to be for Jesus. But quite frankly, I can't wait to the day I get to go see him, and that's going to be a great day. That's to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But he says to them, it's much more needful that I abide here with you. Even though I want, I'm heavenly minded. By the way, is there anything wrong with being heavenly minded? 
Not on your life. It's a good thing. By the way, the way you become heavily minded, you keep investing there. You keep investing in that, in that, uh, in eternity. Brother Jerry Vargo tells the story about his dad who worked at Inland Steel or the steel, co the steel company here. And he had another fellow that became his best friend. He was a Mexican man. And he, he and they worked side by side. They raised their families together. They came, they started working at the same time. They retired together. But as time went on, after working there 15, 20 years, uh, Brother Jerry's dad, Brother Va Mr. Vargo, said to him, uh, I think his name was Jose. It may not have been. I can find out from Brother Vargo, but let's just pretend it was for the sake of the illustration. Is that okay? You want to say Jorge, Juan, or Jose? Does it matter to you? He said to his Spanish friend, his Mexican friend, he said, okay, hang on a second. They're eating lunch together. He said, what is different? We make the same money. I take the same money home every week that you take home. We work the same shift, the same hours, but your car is a jalopy. And I'm getting a new car ever so often. And I've been over to see your house. You're not fixing up your house. I bought one house and got another house over here in Gary, and, and it's better. And your house, you're not doing much to your house. He says, you, what is going on? What are you doing with your money? He said, oh, senor, you should see my house in Mexico. He was taking his money. I'm going to retire there. I don't care about America. I don't care about my house here. I don't care what car I drive. But when I retire in Mexico, my house there is, is a beautiful house. You're going to like it. You got to come see me. You know, that's an earthly story, but it has some eternal meaning. This world is not our home. We're, we're strangers and pilgrims here. Don't get too comfortable if you're a child of God. And the way you don't get too comfortable, you keep making the heavenly investments. It was Jesus who said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Not on earth. Everything on earth can be cor corrupted. It can be corroded. It can be captured. It can be consumed. I don't care what the nicest thing you have. It can go up and smoke. It can corrode. The beautiful car that you could buy today will be a rust bucket in 20 years. Unless you move to Louisiana or something. Your, your, your car is not going to stay nice. It's going to be It's going to be corroded. He says, so take what you have, your time, your resources, your finances, and make heavenly investments because you can't help it. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will go. The Apostle Paul says, you know, he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But it's more needful that I stay here for your sake. Let's look at the verse, if we can, please. We're in Philippians chapter 1. We read that in verse 21, but let's look at 25. And having this confidence, verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for who? He said, for me to keep living is going to be for your benefit. You need me. And I say to you, friend, the reason we have a local church and the reason you ought to be after the things of God is because somebody out there needs you. None of us got saved on our own. Somebody had to step up and say, you know what, Some, uh, someone needs me. You know why you're a bus captain? Because someone needs you. You know why you visit on that bus route? Because they need you. 
You know why you work, teach that Sunday school class and visit that Sunday school class and pray and ask God to help and go through the difficult days when you thought you were going to have 25 and you had two? Because somebody needs you. And he said, you know, it's more needful for you that I stay. So if I'm going to live in this life, I want to do it for the benefit of others. Remember, Brother Hiles would give that poem, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord. Yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live more like thee and help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain may efforts be to rise again and less to live for others. Paul understood this. I struggle with this, but he got it. That's why he was a maximum Christian. He wasn't living life with him as, uh, as the, 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 the focus. He said, you know what? I'm ready to go to heaven. But if I live, it's gonna, you're going to benefit from that. You need me. And somebody needs you. This is why we have the Bible Institute. It's not so we can just spend more time. Oftentimes, they've walked out of the AOB building at, at uh, 10, till, 10 till 10 on a on a Tuesday night after a long day and having the joy to be and teach seven, eight, ten, ten men in the class. And I love doing it, but physically tired, but it's not about me. Our teachers who organize and Brother Craig and, and uh, they're later after me and Brother John Wilson oftentimes turn the lights off. But why are they doing it? Because there's someone else that's going to benefit. Not just them and their families, but those who they will help. Boy, learn to live life not so I can live in my comfort zone, but so others can be blessed. Apostle Paul is a great testimony of that. Here's what he was thinking. And look, if you would please, at verse 25, and having this confidence. What kept him going? Confidence. I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by the coming to you again. He tells him here, I think, his significance. Number one, he said, I'm going to keep working with you. Why? For two reasons. For your furtherance, so you would keep growing. And number two, for the joy of faith. And he mentions joy again. So that when the Lord comes back, you know what? The furtherance and joy comes when it's in Christ and for Christ. He says, because when the Lord Jesus comes back, we're going to be in him, and we're going to be living life for him. And I think that's an important thing, just to remind yourself, what are you trying to accomplish for your kids? What are you trying to accomplish for, you, for those in your sphere of influence? Who are you helping further their walk with the Lord? Helping them grow. Whose marriage are you helping? What single adult are you helping? What bus family are you helping? What are you doing to help somebody? Why did he live? For their furtherance and for the joy of faith. That's a beautiful thing. Let's look at the next thing, and we'll, we'll hasten real quickly. Look at, if you would please, at verse 27. Can you read it out loud? We need a little bit longer verse, but let's all read it together. Can we please? Only let your conversation, that whether I come see you or else be absent, This is a beautiful verse right here. Only let your conversation, when you see the word conversation in your New Testament, it's talking about the way you live, your conduct. 
Only let your conversation be about what? The gospel. The most powerful thing on the planet is the gospel of Jesus. Everybody needs to know how to get to heaven from here. If you're here tonight, you're not sure. If you were to die, you'd go to heaven. Let someone take the Bible and show you the gospel. Another word for the gospel is the good news. Is that Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He died, he was buried, and he rose again so we could live together. Jesus was separated from his heavenly father, so I wouldn't have to be ever separated from God. He said, I want, number the, the, the significance of someone investing in others. But I want you to notice the soul winning emphasis. If you go to the Bible Institute, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a deacon, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a deacon's wife, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a staff member, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a Christian, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a pastor, you ought to be a soul winner. Every day, you ought to be praying, God, give me a chance to talk to someone today. Every conversation with a, with a stranger ought to be for the purpose, how far can I go that I might be able to share the gospel with them? Can I give them a gospel track? Can I talk to them about the Lord? Lord, where will you help me go? Miss um, um, Brother Pollard and Cindy Mercer went out to California, and they were at the luggage in LAX. They were picking the luggage up, and they gave a track to someone, and, and the lady said, you know what? Hang on a second. Is that the big church with the buses? She said, yes, that's the church we go to. He goes, I got saved when I was 11 years old at that church. He said, we don't go to that church now because we live in California, but we live with, they tell them what church they went to there, and they gave her uh, address, 5525 California Avenue in, in Chicago. Would you go see my family and tell them about the Lord? Isn't that great? You can't, you can't take the gospel to the wrong address. But here he says, only let your conversation, the way you live, be about the gospel of Christ. Telling folks about the Lord. Let's look at the next thing, if you would please, in that passage of Scripture. And these are the reasons we have the Bible Institute. is so we can further and help the joy of faith and help them be soul winners. Look at verse number 27. And that whether I come to see you or else be absent, whether I'm with you or I'm not with you, that I may hear of your affairs or how you are handling things, and that ye stand fast. Steadfastness is an important part. One of the things I want to, one of the things that help you uh, in your life to stand, stand fast. There's a lot of billboards on the highway of holiness that says exit here. Get off. Take the exit. Don't stay. But there's also other billboards that say be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. One of the things I think that God does very much to all of his his kids, to say, stay, continue. Continue thou in the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned it. Let's not be weary in, for in due season you'll reap if. Don't quit. He said, men ought always to pray and not to. Over and over, God just tells his people, continue. He said, I'm coming quickly. My reward's with me. Don't quit. Keep on going. But to do that, you've got to be steadfast. He said, boy, I'm, I'm asking you to realize the significance of, of me in your life, to help you be furthered and to help you have the joy of faith. Be a soul winner and steadfast. Don't, don't waffle. There's no time to wobble. It's time to stay fast. Now, we did talk about this before when we came in tonight between space and stagger. Some of you stagger real good walking, you know, and we won't talk about why you do that. But uh, spiritually, never stagger. Spiritually, stand. Stand fast. 
Then the last thing I want to share with you tonight, and that would be the next verse, if you would please. Striving, or in the end of that verse, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want you to talk to him for just a few moments about the synergy of working together. He said, I want you to have one mind, one spirit, striving together. One reason I love about the Bible Institute, and I want to encourage you to keep going. I, if you haven't been discipled, I want to encourage you to do that. You know, one of the things about discipleship is not just the booklets. It's that you get to know another Christian. Another Christian gets to know you. I see a friend in the room tonight that we've been meeting every Saturday and discipling, going through discipleship. And I'm getting to know him. He's getting to know me. I'm finding strength from him. He's finding strength from me. And we're finding both strength from the Word of God. It's the synergy. It's the sum of everybody's investment together making an impact. Striving together for the work of the gospel. Boy, Sunday schools work better whenever the Sunday school teachers are in the meeting. <laughs> the bus workers do better when, when all the workers visit the route. When everybody is in it to win it. Everybody's working together, pulling along in the fellowship of the gospel. I think that's one of the greatest things about a great church. And I want to be a great church. I want to be a part of a great church. It's going to be when we understand their significance. To help other people to join faith. When we're so conscious. When we're steadfast. And when we understand the teamwork makes the dream work. When we're together in this thing. May God help us.